the goal is here in the next five years or so that we'll be in our mid 40s and be able to live off dividends and uh, and do what we'd like to do. Being in your mid 40s and doing what you like to do, that's not an image that comes to mind when we are thinking of retiring. When you start working, if you're lucky and your company offers a 401k or a retirement plan, they send you a welcome packet, a booklet, or send you to a website to explain to you why you need to work all your life so that you can retire after 30 or 40 years. And they show you these images of old people traveling or golfing and having good time. There is nothing wrong with that image, of course, but what if the image on the cover of the booklet or the homepage of the website is not quite right for you? What if you don't see yourself working for 30 and 40 years only to retire to a life of golfing and gardening? What if what you want is the freedom to try different things in your 30s and 40s? Maybe you'd like to quit and start a company. Or maybe you'd like to change your software engineer lifestyle for a pastry chef of a local coffee shop. Or what if all you want is to leave your sales executive job for a life of traveling while having a side income from dividends to fund your life? Long term, my, my, my goal is in the next five years here to actually live off my dividends, um, quit my, right now I'm a sales executive, uh, software sales executive. And then um, I've got some other ideas that I want to do in stage two of my life, but uh, I won't have to work a corporate job anymore and I can run my own business. I can kind of do the things I've always wanted to do. So by the age of uh, 46, maybe sooner, I will, uh, I will not have to work if I don't want to, which is exciting. The picture-perfect image on 401k booklets and websites do not make sense anymore to most people. It's hard to explain to your baby boomer parents, but there is nothing wrong to imagine retiring early, not for golfing and gardening, rather for gaining the freedom not to work for money. Can it be done? And can the stock market get you there? From Stucker.io, this is Renegade Investors, the show that rebels against the conventional wisdom of investing. We are Hoda and Arash, your hosts and the co-founders of StockCard. The conversation on this show is not investment advice. The hosts and their guests may or may not have invested in the companies we discuss. Don't make investment decisions solely based on what you hear on this show. Hi, listeners. This is Renegade Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Hoda, co-founder and CEO of StockCard. If you have visited a StockCard's portfolio store on StockCard.io, you would know that we introduce a new portfolio and investment theme every month. Right now, we are about to wrap up a month-long deep dive into the cannabis industry with the Green Fund. And the portfolio that is coming up in June is the topic of today's episode. This new portfolio is maybe more than just a portfolio. It's a plan to use the stock market and a few very well-known ways of investing in the stock market to fund your freedom in life. This is not a plan to retire and go golfing at 70. Rather, it is a plan to use the stock market to gain the freedom to do what you like to do. This portfolio is called Get 
Fired Up. And my co-host today is Eric Chuka, who is the portfolio publisher of the upcoming Get Fired Up strategy. Eric, welcome and thanks for being my co-host today. Thanks, Oda. It's great to be here. Um, uh, you know, I'm a software sales executive. Um, that's my day job, at least. I started investing about 20 years ago, but not really seriously until about 10 years ago with the goal to retire semi-young and pursue my dreams to, to really travel the world. That's something that I've been passionate about for a long time. And my wife and I love to travel. And so the goal is here in the next five years or so that we'll be in our mid-40s and be able to live off dividends and, uh, and do what we'd like to do. Fired Up Approach is your portfolio that is going live on a stock cards portfolio store in June. Who is this portfolio for? With this, with this approach, it's, it's intended for someone that's young who wants to retire early, but not you know, necessarily 30 years old. So say you're 20 years old and you want to retire at 45, that gives you a 25-year run rate. Or say you're 25 and you start at 25, you know, it gives you a 20-year run rate. So you really start with whatever you can and you grow it. Love it. Okay, let me play something for you about a somewhat similar movement called the FIRE movement. And I want to hear from you if you are also a part of the cult of FIRE. Okay, FIRE is this cultish movement. It's a cultish community in a good way because it's a fantastic message. It's financially independent, retiring early. Most people in this movement are millennials. Mm -hmm. Now, millennials, most millennials, two-thirds, haven't even saved a thing for retirement. So this community, FIRE, is saying, that's not going to be me. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Don't have to work forever. You know, I don't have to rely on Social Security. That was Jeannie On from Yahoo Finance talking about a financial independent movement called FIRE, which I know you are very familiar with. Your portfolio is called Fired Up with a D. What is the difference between yours and the FIRE movement? That's a great question. You know, the, the FIRE strategy, um, it's similar to the FIRE concept, as you mentioned, the, the financial independence retire early. But it's a much more realistic plan. You don't have to be insanely frugal. Um, the goal on this, the fired plan, is that you you would re- retire semi young, not at 30 years old. When you when you see these fire plans, they're trying to retire, you know, in 30 years old, and it's just I think it's it's unrealistic and unsustainable. You also miss out on on some of the best years of your life being young, where you you know a lot of these folks are, are eating ramen noodles and you know mm-hmm. living uh, you know living very inexpensively, maybe in their parents' basement or an RV. There's nothing wrong with that. But but this approach is a lot different because it's more realistic. You don't have to be that frugal. Um, a person that's interested, say, in retiring at age 45 or maybe later than that would be more interested in the FIRED approach. The D in the FIRED stands for dividends, and it utilizes um, DGI, which, which is known as dividend growth investing. So a combination of both ETF growth, dividend growth, and then what you'd call high flyer stocks. And it's, it's really a combination of those that ensure that you have not only wealth, but sustainability and that you have the, uh, dividend income coming in. And as you grow older, you actually rotate some of that growth investment over into DGI so that your, your dividends get to uh, a number that you could essentially live off. Okay. So you start early, live a normal life, but keep up good rate of saving. You actively manage your portfolio. 
Invest in growth stocks to grow your wealth, and gradually, as you get closer to your financial independence day, you transition your money to dividend-paying companies that are also growing their dividends. Exactly, and and with with the with a fired approach, you're actually using growth stocks, you know, like a, a Shopify or a ServiceNow, or you know, some stocks like that. These cloud-based stocks that have outstanding growth potential, you're using that. And when they get to a certain point, you're selling those and you're, you're, you're taking those profits. And now you're putting those into those dividend stocks, which hopefully you can buy and hold for a very long time unless the story changes. So you really are, you're, this is somewhat actively managed, but it's not something where it needs, you know, hours a week or anything either. And it's something that I want to help young investors understand and also give them a sample portfolio to follow so that they have, you know, some guidance. They're not just trying to make this stuff up on their own because it, it does take a lot of thought and it does take some uh, some planning, but it's it's not that difficult once you understand how the program works. That's what I have done with my own portfolio. I was able to use my investments to quit my job about two, three years ago and start StockCard. And I'm still working toward building a bigger portfolio that allows me to continue to grow stock art and have the freedom to stop working anytime I want. And I know it's possible to get there, but there are people that absolutely do not agree with this approach. If I go back to the FIRE movement we just heard and talked about, it has very big enemies. For example, Susie Orman, who is a, a financial coach or financial wellness coach and she was being interviewed by the host of another podcast show called uh, afford anything let's have a listen have you heard of the fire movement yes yes of course i have and i hate it really i hate it i hate it i hate it and let me tell you why Okay. Listen, everybody, I know you want to retire at 25, at 30, and 35. But here is the problem as I speak to you as 70, at 67 years of age, approaching 70. As you get older, things happen. Not only do things happen as you get older, things happen. Most of the people's concern with the approaches such as fire movement is that you take the amount of money that you've saved and every year you follow this 4% rule. Basically, you withdraw 4% of the money that you've saved and that, that should last you for about 30 years. But the 4% rule is what the old retirement plans used to use for something about 30 years of good life after your retirement. But if you're retiring at 40, you still have 60, 70 years to fund and using the four-person rule probably doesn't work uh, in that situation. From what I've learned from you, your approach is a lot more realistic. And maybe if Susie uh, was here with us, she would have loved uh, your get fired up approach. Walk me through the approach so that we can discuss how get fired up approach is more realistic and people can actually live off of their investments. To address the, the, the folks that are really into the fire movement, they're trying to save enough money that they can live off of. And when they say live off of what most people, when you hear, when you, when you, when you talk to people that have done this before and you read articles on CNBC, what have you, they're trying to live off of a percentage of the assets they've accrued. And they're trying to basically live off that. So if they have, you know, 500,000 or a million dollars that they predict they're going to be 90 years old, when they're 90 years old, that money is gone. 
with the fired movement, you're never actually selling your stocks. Your stocks are going to continue to grow and you're living solely off of the dividends. So it's very different in that way because you're actually you're, you're, you're needing more capital to do this. But by doing that, you never have to sell the actual stock. You hold the stock and you just use the dividends to pay for your expenses to live, which, which allows you to have a lot more flexibility. And it also allows you to, in theory, have a lot more money um, to live off of because if you need to actually sell the stock, you can, and it gives you that option. Okay, so let's get a little bit practical. What in What's in the portfolio itself? What is in the portfolio? Is it stocks, ETFs, Vanguard index fund? What's in it? So when you start out, you really want to start out with growth, and then you want to slowly adjust that growth into those DGI stocks. But um, as an example, you know, say just just a real quick, straightforward illustration of how impactful that savings can be through compounding. If you start with only say a thousand dollars right now a month, and you add a thousand dollars every month for twenty years you would end up with about $875,000. And that's assuming a 12% total return average. So both the return uh, plus the dividends reinvested, which is very obtainable if you're going for um, a growth and dividend uh, balanced portfolio. You're going to have a much more growth at a younger age. Um, let's use those same variables and say you can save $2,000 a month for 20 years. You would have uh, $1,739,000. Could you live off that for the rest of your life? Well, I mean, it just depends on you know how long you live and your situation. But if you use the 4% rule, most people will be broke and that won't work. So now what? Um, <clears throat> should you save more every month? Well, that would work, but if you can't, then what? Is there a better approach? Um, you know, maybe the 4% the rule isn't for everybody. What if you converted all that $1.7 million that you accumulated into DGI, into dividend growth stocks, and you live solely off the dividends? Would that work? Well, I mean, it depends on your yield. So, for example, Hoda, if you had a 6% yield and you pulled in $102,000 a year off of that $1.7 million, most people can live off that, especially because this income is very tax-friendly. Um, so because of that, you can live on the 100000 of low-tax income a year. Most people in most places can. And you do that through the DGI plan. You know, your stocks will continue to pay more dividends each year. So DGI is dividend growth investing. That means that your dividends grow every year to keep up and, and not only keep up, but beat inflation. And how does the portfolio actually work? When do you sell them and what triggers you to sell a stock if you ever do it? No individual stock in my portfolio should exceed 1% of your total portfolio value. So if one of your holdings does go belly up, the most you really can lose is 1% of your portfolio. And that, with that said, you're still managing your holdings and you're trying to do a good job of that. But if you're, if you are managing, you're going to sell well before you lose everything in that position. You're going to see something like a, a general electric where they cut the dividend and you're like, I'm just going to get out of it now while I can. So you know, losing 1% of your portfolio is very, very unlikely. And this, this approach is very worry free. You still need to monitor your stocks and you're still going to sell them if the story changes. So it does have some buy and hold mentality, but it's not die hard like some of the, you know, the old school DGIers that will say, you know, I, I buy a stock and I hold it forever no matter what, because as long as I'm getting a dividend, it doesn't matter. Well, I agree to that to an extent, but you have to still watch the stock because if you know the dividend is going to be cut, that's the whole reason you own the asset is for the dividend. And if it's going to turn into a general electric where it goes from, you know, two and a half percent, I can't remember the exact deal, but it was a decent paying stock to a one penny a share yield, that's a big story change. And hopefully you sold that stock before it got to that point. 
And to get even more practical, when you say dividend paying, what is the dividend yield you're going after? Or uh, do you need some of those REITs or um, real estate trust funds that offer 10%, 50% yield for the portfolio to work? You know, you know, in my scenario, personally, I shoot for a more reasonable yield and I try to balance it. So me personally, my target yield is only 3%. And with what I've accrued in capital, I can live off 3% yields. Those holdings will gain value over time. And so hypothetically, I'll never run out of money, at least in theory, assuming that, you know, the market always increases over time and, you know, we don't have a zombie apocalypse or anything like that. <laughs> so that's... <laughs> Before we jump into a little game I'm planning to play for today, what do you do when the market goes down? Because we had this market crash in uh, August, market, let's not call it a crash, but market downturn in December, early January, in December of last year, early January of this year, 2019. So if you are living off of your investments, how do you deal with the market decline? Because even fire movement, um, a lot of people... Uh, have this criticism that it doesn't consider the value that is being lost on your original capital that you saved up. And if the stock market crashes and goes down 40%, 50%, that could be a possibility, of course, you would lose a significant amount of your capital. And if you're withdrawing 4%, that 4% per year off of a capital that is right now down 4% or 50%, for example, would not even last the 30 years, maybe last 20 years and 10 years, depending on when the crash happens. So what do you do in your get fired up approach um, when the stock market declines and crashes? Yep. Well, the key is to always have some cash. So I try to have at least, you know, between five and 10% cash. Some people might even want more than that. But um, that's, that's my goal is to have that percentage. Um, what I like to do is dollar cost average. And especially if, for example, if you're using Fidelity as an example, all their iShares are free for ETFs. So like the IVV, the ITOT, those type of uh, investment vehicles do not cost you commission to buy. And the beautiful thing about that is if you want to put $100 in, you can put $100 in and not have to pay the $495 commission. Because that would hurt if you did that every time. That's 5% of your gains you're losing. So if you're using small amounts, you can put those into your core ETF holdings if you're using larger amounts. But I like the dollar cost average in. And so when the market started going south in 2018, I put a little bit in October, but I, you know, I made sure I kept at least 8%. So I, I said, I'm going to take 2%, put it in between October and November. November, December, I put another 2%. When we got to December 24th, I had probably 6% or so left of uh, my cash. And I just, I completely went all, went all in. I looked at the charts. I looked at everything going on and I said, it might go lower than this, but at these prices and where I'm, with the yields I'm getting for these stocks that I'm buying, I was focused on DGI. It doesn't matter if my yield is 5%, even if it goes lower, I can always buy more and dollar cost average in. So I decided on December 24th to go all in with that 6% and I bought small increments. You know, So for example, if you want to have $5,000 of a company, you would buy five times at a thousand dollars a time. And so even if you bought, you know, two, two fifths of it on December 24th and it went down another leg lower, you still have three fifths that you can put in on the 28th of December when the market opens back up or whatever. So that's what I would say is that um, always have cash. When there's a dip, you got to have price points. Like right now at 5% dip, I bought some more. If it goes another 5% down from there, I would buy double of what I bought the first time and so on. And mm -hmm. if you can, if you can, 
you can focus and be disciplined on that strategy, you're always going to come way ahead on those dips and it's a buying opportunity for you long term. Yeah, I love it. I mean, because a lot of people are just worried about defining where the bottom is. And, you know, everybody you've seen it on our on all the Facebook private Facebook groups mm-hmm. and communities that we remember of. Everybody's asking, is this the right time to buy? Is this the right time to buy? In reality, no one can say what is the right time to buy. It's more about that discipline approach that you just talked about, meaning when it dips, dips in, uh, good enough uh, amount, it doesn't matter whether it's going to go lower than that because you could, if you small, if you buy small and you buy gradually and then adjust the amount you buy every time, it will it will pay off. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter because you can't really predict whether it's going to go further down or not. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. for, for example, mm-hmm. to like, I'll look at, you know, my portfolio, I'll look and say, you know, what am I down 5% on? If, I, if I'm down 5% on a stock, I would typically will add more to it or maybe even double down. So if I look at my portfolio and say I bought, you know, Target at $75 because I thought $75 was a fair value because it was yielding 3.7%. And now Target's at 70, 71, and I'm, I'm down 5%. You know, if I have $2,500 in Target, I might buy another 2,500. And now I'm only down two and a half percent. And I'll try to keep keep those kind of numbers in mind whenever I'm trying to add into my positions. And I never go all in on a position. I'll take very small bite-sized chunks. Sometimes the stock runs. You know, I've got some I'm looking at on my screen where um, you bought a couple thousand dollars of something, you know, thinking that you were probably going to buy a lot more than that. And you bought it on December 24th and it's up 35%. It's a good problem to have. I'm not going to add more when it's up 35%. Now you just have a very small position that you hold and and uh, it is what it is. It, you know, and it's just a great way to do it. If, if it. if it runs up, you won. If it goes lower, you buy more and you're still going to win. So it's it's just it's managing your risk and just being disciplined on, on how you invest. Yeah, and that's what makes you a great investor. And that's why we would love to have, like, we are excited to have you on the stock cards portfolio store because most people, even if they want to buy the dip, if they buy it and then the stock goes further down, then they're going to lose, they're going to lose their mind, right? Oh my God, I wasted all this money. I could have waited, you know? So it, it's just this disciplined approach to making investment decision and not letting your emotions to kind of go go wild when things are not panning out. It's just not expecting that the market going to respect your decisions, right? If you right. bought, market's not going to listen to you and say, oh, okay, Eric bought, so let's go up from here. But never would do that. But but not everybody understand that. So I, 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 I'm super excited, obviously, to have you on the Stockcrush Portfolio Store. Super excited for your Get Fired Up portfolio. I personally want to follow you and just build a portfolio alongside your portfolio. So users is going to see that in my role with our CEO portfolio, I'm going to start picking stocks as Eric picks them up. So um, that that's, that's um, it's going to be a real money portfolio because I'm going to follow what Eric says and just adjust my strategy and, and my portfolio according to yours. So that's super uh, exciting. So actually just as you were speaking and talking about it, something fired up in my mind, I guess, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't necessarily invest all the time in in dividend paying stocks. You have a combination of like something like Shopify and things like that. They're not necessarily dividend paying, but they're high flyer stocks, as you mentioned. And then you use the gain. You, you put a cap on your gain with this conscious decision that you want to use that gain to reinvest in those core dividend paying um, stocks. Is that the right conclusion? Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm over 40 years old and I'm, I'm approaching the uh, retirement age and I'm very close in terms of what my portfolio. And when I was in my 20s, I had a couple of dividend stocks um, that, I, that I held on to that I, be- I believed in long term, but they also had growth, things like Microsoft, um, things like that. But the core of what I did was growth stocks. You know, I'd be investing into Amazon and Netflix and, and things like that in my 20s and 30s. And as I got into my late 30s, I started to shift that momentum, uh, take profits off of those high flyers and put those into those dividend stocks. So a lot of people say, well, I'm a DJI investor. I'm going to, you know, I'm 20 years old. I'm going to buy 3M and I'm going to let it sit there for, four, for 20 years. And that can work. Or there's people that say, I want to invest in things like Lyft and Amazon, you know, all these high flyers, hoping that they're going to, you know, build a bunch of capital and then they're going to get to the promised land that way. This is trying to hedge that risk where when you're young, you can afford to take um, some more risk and you can gamble a little bit more and hopefully you're going to, you're going to, um, you know, you're going to outpace the S and P 500 with a little bit of homework. You're going to outperform. And by using that outperformance, you're going to sell that performance and reinvest it back into safety. So your portfolio is going live on June in the first week of June, um, which I'm super excited. I'm, I'm already waiting for the portfolio to go live so that I can follow it and get notified every time you add things to it. And obviously we will let our stock card VIP members know on their usual schedule of Wednesday morning updates on portfolios. So that's super cool. It's coming. But in terms of, in terms of what the stock card members and the broader community and listeners to the podcast need, need to know about the portfolio and what what do they expect from you what's going to happen on day one of portfolio live and what's going to happen after that well when i look at you know the market broadly um, we've had a really good run here and it's interesting because the last week it's been you know very up and down we went down about five percent now uh, yesterday we we had a nice little bounce back and today we're we're having another green day at this point um, you know, but but my thought right now is I'm probably going to focus on building uh, some value DGI stocks as a core. That would be a good foundation for the long haul, and um, we'll we'll start to add probably at least one pick biweekly, uh, and probably add some high flyers in into that uh, portfolio as we move along. But I think where the market is now, I mean, I think that um, you know there, some of these stocks are pretty frothy. There's several on my watch list even stocks that I own that are say the, the what they call cloud kings. And, and those, I just, you know, I would wait for a pullback. In fact, yesterday, the day before was a, a great day on Monday to buy some of those. So I think some of those high flyers will probably be on the watch list. And to answer your question, I'm going to focus probably on three to five value DJI stocks um, that will really help build that foundation. And I also plan on, as we move along, sharing tips and strategies, including, my asset percentage for holdings by age, and then the core ETFs that I like to pick and what percentage I like to use depending on um, on your age and, and your, you know, your, your retirement goals and your retirement age goals. So that's kind of what we're thinking at this point. Um, there's going to be several on the watch list. And if there, are, there is a pullback, if we get a, you know, correction to 25 or 2650, like some are saying, that'd be a tremendous opportunity to get in some of these, these high flyers that have had a great run over the last couple of years. I want to get into a little game with you since we brought up a couple of concepts. You know, we talk about buy and hold. We talked about fire movement. We talked about DGI or dividend growth investing. So there's this game we play with our podcast guests, uh, buy, sell and hold. It doesn't necessarily need to be 
stocks but because we are now providing recommendation and picking stocks here in the podcast but it's more concepts so i want to hear if you if that concept was an actual stock that you could have invested in it, would you buy sell or hold it at this point sure sounds good excellent all right so eric buy sell or hold the fire movement buy with a modified approach you don't have to be as frugal as uh, a lot of folks that's a um, sneaky answer. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's fired is the answer. It's uh it's somewhere in between. I, I think you know, even at forty five, you can ha- you you know the average person is going to have a lot of years. And you know when when you retire at forty five, it's it, it doesn't have to be just travel the world and 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 not work again. You can start your own business. You can volunteer. It gives you the flexibility. Now you have you're wealthy enough where you can do whatever you want. You have enough income to pay all your bills to have enough money to travel, to have fun, to do things you want to do, but you can focus on the things that you've always wanted to do in your life, whether that be volunteering, starting your own business, maybe even working another job in a different industry that's just interesting to you. So it just, it gives you the options to to live the life you want to live at a semi young age to retire. Yeah, no, I love that. And actually we didn't talk about this when, when it comes to fire movement, they don't pick stocks or anything like that they basically just save enough and then put it all in an s&p 500 right or s&p index is that am i right in a terms lot of, of them act- do mm-hmm. yeah a lot of them do i've seen i've seen lots of different strategies on that but a lot of them are pretty conservative they'll, they'll use the vanguard and so that goes back to the bobbleheads and they're like well you know i need if i can get 800 grand and i live the thing about the fire approach though not only are they living frugally to save the amount of money they think they need to retire, when they quote unquote retire, they're also still living very frugally in order to not spend enough money to go broke. So you're, you're living a whole lifestyle of being frugal, which for some people, that's great. It's just not for everybody. And for, for me personally, I would rather have a combination where I'm pretty frugal for my income level. You know, I, I don't buy lavish things, but I also will spend, you know, thousands of dollars on a nice vacation because it's something I like to do. So it gives you that flexibility. But to answer your question, yes, usually it's saving in very traditional ETFs, um, saving enough money where they can basically take a percentage out of every year and live frugally and not have to to work again is what the fire movement is really all about. Right. Got it. So I'm going to go back to my buy, sell, or hold, but ask something different. So buy, sell, and hold, selling stocks to go on vacation. Buy, sell, or hold, selling a stock to go on vacation. So I would never sell a, a core position in my portfolio to get the money to go on vacation. If I have a goal to save X amount of percent, if I'm going on vacation, I have to, you know, I have to be able to save above and beyond my goal. I don't want to cut into my saving percentage in order to have that vacation. So even if you make a profit, say you make 100% profit on something and you're like, I'm going to take this money and use it for vacation, you can do that. Me personally, I would never do that. Um, my portfolio, once the money's in, it stays in unless there's a you know dire emergency. But once that money's in, it's in, and I'm never really going to take it out. I might sell it and put it into a, another investment, but I'm I'm never going to to take money out and, and use it for something else. Love it. No one can throw Eric off the strategy. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> cool. Well, Eric, this was a great conversation. Very insightful. Looking forward to 
taking your portfolio live on a stockers portfolio store, following you, following your picks. And uh, I hope a lot of our stock card uh, VIP members and even non-VIP members, the broader community, follow your portfolio. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we're going to get you back to this uh, podcast show hopefully soon or some live webinars to get some questions answered. Well, I guess we'll figure that out soon together. But thank you again for taking the time. This was fun. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure and have a great rest of your day. I would appreciate it. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Take care. To follow Eric's Get Fired Up strategy and portfolio, go to stockcard.io backslash portfolio store and click on Get Fired Up. Make sure to follow the portfolio by clicking on the bell icon on the top right corner of the screen and we will notify you when Eric add new stocks and funds to his portfolio with the goal to get all of us fired up. We'll see you next time. Our website is stockcard.io. Stockcard is a cheat sheet for long-term stock market investors. Sign up and create a free account with one click. All right, folks, that's it for this episode of Renegade Investors. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you had fun listening to us, give us a review. We read all of your reviews and comments. You may even get featured in the future episodes. Um, I want to wrap it up, but I have one question for you. Just uh, since we talked about living off of stocks and living off of our investments, what is the craziest things you've done with the return of your investments um, since you became an investor? Craziest things I've done. And can you add to that a little bit? What do you mean exactly by craziest things? <laughs> the, the craziest thing I did with my return of investments is I quit my job. I started stock cards. So that was like, I'm not oh. one of those crazy ones. So what, what have you done? Uh, or what are you planning to do if you haven't done that with your, well, with your investments? Uh, you probably got from listening to me this long that I'm kind of boring and conservative. And so at this point, all I've done is I've taken things like Aurora Cannabis that I bought at $2 and sold around $12. And I flipped that into, um, you know, dividend type stocks. And so what's beautiful about that is you're taking profit and now you're investing in something that's going to pay you a 3% yield. And it's just that money's paying you forever. Um, so it doesn't sound probably that exciting, but for me, that's the craziest I've done is I've had some really big, you know, hitters that have done 600% type gains that have bought me free shares of, of stocks that I might, might not necessarily always buy first on my list, but if it's profit and I look at something like, uh, you know, a Pepsi and I say, Pepsi is a great long-term hold, even though it's, it's not sexy, it's kind of boring, but it's going to pay me a 3% yield for as, as long as Pepsi's around and it should be around a while. Right. So that's the kind of stuff I do. And we, we love, we love boring. So don't worry about it. We're all, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we all ex- get excited about all these nerdy, nerdy, investy, uh, investmenty things. Uh, my husband always makes fun of me because, you know, as we watch something, we watch a movie or we go to a restaurant or we're shopping. I like pick things and brands and then I'm like, Oh, this is a great stock. And that's not a great stock. And he's like, Oh my God, you talking about bringing your work to your day to day life. You're just taking it, 
<laughs> off the limit. But you know, it, it's it's the joy of being a stock market investor. You you see the world out of your lens of investing, which is what I love about uh, what I'm doing and what the companies stand for. That's excellent. Hopefully, you saw some Beyond Meat at the grocery store and bought some of that because it's up another eleven percent today. It just doesn't stop. So <laughs> yeah, well, I did I did eat Beyond Meat, and we did the, we did do a podcast episode on Beyond Meat that I cooked and I I shared the cooking experience with the podcast listeners. If you haven't listened to it, well, uh, listen to that one. But I didn't buy, uh, yeah, I didn't buy the uh, actual uh, stock. It's kind of not my style. I wait at least a quarter to kind of get to know the company. But maybe as I follow your your um, combination of core plus those high flyers, I'll uh, I'll get started with some of those things as well. We'll see. Absolutely. Those are the fun ones. And sometimes they work out like, like Lyft and sometimes they work out like Beyond Meat. But overall, you, uh, you typically are, are going to have much higher returns on some of those higher risk ones. And you're using a small percentage of the portfolio. So anyway, it's just, no, I, I'm totally with you though, Hoda. Like, uh, you know, the things that you use, if you like going to a certain store, you like a certain brand, it doesn't mean necessarily I'm going to buy it, but those are the things I'm going to research. And I, I love to, to own, for example, Costco. It's a place I love to shop. I like to buy all my stuff there. Um, you know, researched heavily into those guys, I don't know, seven years ago, bought a bunch of stock and it's, you know, been outperforming, doing great, paying a good, you know, decent dividend that's growing. Uh, but those are the kind of companies I get excited about, ones that I use on a regular basis that I believe in, that I get to go and see. You know, if I go to Costco and it's busy all the time, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean, again, that you're going to buy it but it'll give you the idea to research. And then once you do your homework and you decide it's a good investment, those for me have been some of the the best uh, performers long-term is the ones that I truly believe in and I use myself. 